This morning I invite you to draw your swords and turn to Matthew chapter 5 verses 10 to 12. Matthew chapter 5 verses 10 to 12. As today we continue studying the greatest sermon ever preached by the greatest preacher who ever lived. We come to the conclusion of the great introduction of Jesus and we find ourselves at the eighth and final beatitude. Matthew chapter 5 verses 10 to 12. Once you've found your place in sacred scripture, please stand out of reverence the public reading of God's holy word. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Heavenly Father, we bow before you with this request. Help me to preach. Help us to hear. Help us to respond in obedience. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. When worldliness meets godliness, hostility inevitably results. The Bible calls this hostility persecution. The goal of all persecution is to silence the voice of the one being persecuted. That silence can come by way of force. It can come by way of intimidation. It can come by way of denial and ultimately can come by way of death. But make no mistake about it, the purpose of all hostility and persecution is to silence the voice of the believer. I don't have to tell you that there are places on this planet where it is illegal to be a follower of Christ. You and I could go to North Korea where Christianity is illegal. In Saudi Arabia... The only recognized religion is Islam. It's not uncommon to go to Iran and, and have authorities burst into a house church, arrest the pastor, try to intimidate the participants, and shut down the house church. It's the Vatican who tells us that every year there are more than 100,000 believers that are put to death because of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They estimate that there are in excess of 200 million brothers and sisters in the Lord who on this day are living daily life under intense persecution. Now, you and I realize that we are blessed to live here in the United States of America. In our country, it's, it's not illegal to be a Christian, at least not yet. It's not uh, illegal for us to gather in a church house, at least not yet. It's not illegal for us to boldly proclaim the gospel on any street corner, at least not yet. Once again, I don't have to tell you that even in our culture, we must agree with the Liberty Institute that says that even in America, persecution is on the rise. So that elementary school children cannot write the words, Merry Christmas, on a card that's sent to the U.S. military. 
So there are some nursing homes where it is forbidden for the individuals to pray before they eat their meal. I don't have to convince you that there are places even on this planet, here in this country, in our culture, where there is an attack against anything Christian. You and I live in what John Piper calls the Disneyland of America, the Disneyland of the world. Because here in America, you and I can go about and, and we can worship the Lord freely. But yet I want to tell you this morning that I am not here just because it's legal to be a Christian. I'm here because I have been blood-bought by the Lord Jesus Christ. He purchased my redemption. I am not here this morning just because it's permissible for us to gather in a church house. I'm here this morning because God has called my name and he's raised these dead bones and he's made me alive in the Lord Jesus Christ. Woe is me if I don't speak the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't speak just because it's legal to talk about Christ. I speak because if I'm silent, the very rocks will cry out and there ain't no rock that's going to take my place. Remember that the goal of persecution is to silence the voice of the one being persecuted. Because whenever worldliness meets godliness, hostility inevitably results. So Jesus concludes his introduction to his famous sermon by saying, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Then he goes on and says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of me. I want to submit to you this morning, this is one in the same blessing. These are not two beatitudes, this is one beatitude. I want to suggest this morning that if we are blessed because of righteousness, then that righteousness means that we are blessed because of Jesus. For to have righteousness is to have Jesus. To have Jesus is to have his righteousness. This is the only beatitude that receives a double blessing. Every other beatitude, there's only one word of blessing in the sacred sentence of Scripture. But when we come to the final beatitude, Jesus says twice, as if he is redundant, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. If you didn't hear me, blessed are those who are persecuted because of me. For earlier, Jesus helped us to understand that righteousness is both declared and demonstrated. For righteousness is a divine innocence that's imputed upon us at the moment of faith. We are declared innocent in God's sight. For declared righteousness is what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. But demonstrated righteousness is what you and I do for God by the power of Christ. So righteousness is a two-sided coin. It is declared innocence upon us, and it is demonstrate innocence by us as we live, walk, and work here in this world. So Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of this righteousness and blessed are those who are persecuted because of me it's never a question of will we be persecuted but the question is how will we be persecuted because you must agree with Jesus that whenever worldliness meets godliness hostility inevitably results so Jesus says blessed is the person who is insulted because of me. Blessed is the person who is persecuted because of me. Blessed is the person who has a whole host of lies spoken about him or her because of me. 
I love how Jesus speaks because he is very picturesque in all of his languages. He speaks in word pictures for when he says, uh, blessed are those who are insulted because of me. That word insult literally means a verbal punch in the face. Blessed are you when some twerp ridicules you because of your faith in Jesus. Blessed are you when you're belittled for making much of Jesus. Blessed are you when people insult you. Blessed are you when, teenager, you make a stand for moral purity and you are ridiculed by a very seductive culture. Adult, blessed are you when you are uh, committed to uh, boldly proclaiming the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, and yet co-workers speak of you as an evangelical Christian as if somehow that's an evil four-letter word. Blessed are you when people give you a verbal punch in the mouth. Blessed are you when you're insulted. Blessed are you when you're persecuted. That word persecute literally means to be harassed or to be attacked. It can mean to be attacked emotionally or spiritually, but most often it's attacked physically. And Jesus says, blessed are you when you are assaulted because of the faith. Blessed are you when people attack you both verbally and physically because of your overwhelming devotion for Christ. And when the world has finished ridiculing you and finished attacking you, when they've stopped uh, punching you in the mouth verbally, when they've stopped physically assaulting you, Jesus says, blessed are you when all they have left is just to make up lies about you. You do know that when the world gets to the end of her rope, when the pagan culture has pulled out everything in her arsenal, the only thing she has left is name calling. And that's exactly what happens. For Christians are ridiculed, they're called names, lies are spoken about your conduct or even your character. And Jesus says, don't get mad, be glad. Jesus says, uh, uh, don't be sad, but be glad. Jesus says, don't be bad, but just be glad. Be glad when you're insulted. Be glad when you're uh, ridiculed. Be glad when you're persecuted. Be glad when people make up junk about you. Once again, Jesus is flipping the script. Jesus is turning cultural norms upside down because when we are ever attacked in any way, our initial response is to bow up and defend ourselves. But Jesus says, instead of doing that, be glad. He gives us proper perspective on persecution. He tells us to be glad because yours is the kingdom of heaven. Be glad. Because great is your reward in heaven. And be glad. Because the world did the very same thing to the prophets before you. You know what the word be glad literally means? It means to skip with excitement and jump for joy. So when somebody ridicules you, Jesus says just skip with excitement and jump for joy. When somebody persecutes you, just skip with excitement and jump for joy. When somebody makes an out and out lie against you, just skip with excitement and jump for joy. When somebody attacks you with a verbal punch in the mouth, when someone assaults you because of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, when somebody makes fun of you because of your moral stand, when somebody tells you to be silent and no longer talk about Jesus, all you have to do is just skip with excitement and jump with 
with joy. Why? Because Jesus says, be glad. Be glad because first, yours is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven forms bookends around the Beatitudes. It's found in the first one. It's found in the last one. Jesus said in verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Here in the last one, Jesus says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We've already discovered that the kingdom of heaven is God's righteous rule and reign in our lives in Christ. To have Christ is to have the kingdom of heaven residing inside of you. Eternal life starts not the moment of your death. Eternal life starts the moment of your rebirth. The moment you go from no faith to faith, you enter into the kingdom of heaven. Once you come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, it's at that moment that the rule and reign of Christ governs your life. And Jesus tells his followers that when you are persecuted, I want you to be glad. I want you to skip with excitement and I want you to jump for joy. Why? Because you have Jesus. And Jesus gives perspective. What can the world do to me when I have Jesus living inside of me? The same Jesus who is the infinite Lord. For he spoke the world into existence. Out of nothing, Jesus made something. Merely by speaking something into nothing, nothing became something. Jesus made everything by merely speaking it into existence. You have this Jesus who taught the sun how to shine and the ocean to only come so far. You have this Jesus, the one who taught the birds how to fly and the fish how to swim. You have this Jesus, the one who breathed life into the nostrils of Adam and created Eve out of the rib from the man's side. You have this Jesus who simply uh, said to the Red Sea, part, and it came up on both sides so the Israelites could cross on dry land. You have this Jesus who showed up with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, and they danced a little bit and Jesus protected. You have this Jesus who was with Jonah in the smelly belly of the fish. You have this Jesus who was with Daniel in the lion's den. You have this Jesus who stepped out of heaven and stepped into earth through the birth canal of a virgin girl. You have this Jesus who lived a perfect life in thought and action. You have this Jesus who destroyed death and, and overwhelmed demons and disease. You have this Jesus who was nailed on the cross for the sins of the world. You have this Jesus who was placed into a borrowed tomb. You have this Jesus who was raised from the dead on the third day. You have this Jesus who ascended into the heavens. You have this Jesus who promises to come back and rescue his church. You have this Jesus dwelling inside of you. So Jesus says, let's keep some perspective about this thing called persecution because even though you may suffer and even though you may have trials and even though you may have trouble and temptation, I want you to know you have the Spirit of God dwelling inside of you. So Jesus says, don't shrink back. Don't retreat. Don't lessen the level 
of your loyal commitment. Just because suffering strikes, just because persecution peaks its ugly head around the corner. Don't shrink back because you have Jesus inside of you. So don't exchange Jesus for the sensual embrace of a woman. Don't exchange Jesus for the elevation of your children above Christ. Don't exchange Jesus so that you can get the promotion and just have a few more dollars in your wallet. Don't exchange Jesus and blame him for the cancer that's in your body. Don't exchange Jesus for the problems and the persecution that you face. Don't throw Jesus away and don't be angry at him because greater is he who's in you than he who is in the world. Jesus says, let's keep some perspective here. Let's be glad. Let's skip with excitement and jump for joy because you have the kingdom of heaven residing within you. He says, be glad, because yours is the kingdom of heaven. But secondly, be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. It's the apostle Paul who says that all of us will appear before the judgment seat of Christ to receive what's due him that's done in the body, whether good or bad. All of us will appear before the Bema Seat of Christ. For those of us who are in Christ, we should have no fear of punishment. The reason we know this is because elsewhere, Paul says in Romans 8 verse 1, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you're in Christ, then Jesus paid your punishment. If you're in Christ, then Jesus took all of your condemnation. If you're in Christ, then Jesus absorbed all the holy hostility that God had towards you. If you're in Christ, then Jesus drank every last drop of God's wrath that should be poured out against you and against me. So my brother and sister, if you're in Christ, and when you and I stand before the judgment seat of Christ, it is not for punishment, it is for reward. And regardless of what that reward is, I promise you, it is far better than anything we've experienced on planet Earth. Whatever the reward is, however large, however numerous, whatever it looks like, Whatever the reward is, it is greater than the greatest thing you've ever seen, ever experienced here on planet Earth. For you do know the words of James. For James, the brother of our Lord, says, our life is a vapor. It is a mist. It's a dot on the map. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. If you and I could visualize a map of the United States being placed in front of us. And if we could draw a line from San Diego, California to the northernmost tip of the state of Maine. And then if we were to take a pencil and make a dot anywhere along that line, it's been said that that dot represents your life as compared to eternity. I realize it's uh, limited in its analogy. But the point's overwhelmingly clear that our life is a mist. It's a vapor. It's a dot on the map. 
our life, whether it's nine months or 99 years, it's small, insignificant when it comes to eternity. Jesus says, let's keep this suffering, this persecution that we endure in this world, let's keep it in perspective because it pales in comparison to the reward that you're going to receive of eternal life. Your life is a dot. It's a rather sobering reality to always be reminded that life is no more than a three-inch dash. The cemetery has it exactly right. On every tombstone, you find the birth date and the death date. In between, there's about a three-inch dash. All of life is summed up in that three-inch dash. All the success, all the setbacks, all the money, all the promotions, all the job, all the family, all the vacation, all the baseball, all the softball, all the college football, all the dreams, all the hopes, all the 401k plans, everything summed up in one three-inch dash everything so Jesus says let's keep all this in perspective he's not denying that we'll face persecution he's not denying that we'll get a verbal punch in the mouth he's not denying that we'll be harassed because the holy he's not denying that people will lie about us about our conduct and our character he's not denying any of that because Jesus understands that when worldliness meets your godliness hostility inevitably results But what Jesus does say is let's keep it in perspective because yours is the kingdom of heaven. Because secondly, yours is a great reward in heaven. But third, Jesus says be glad because what's been done about you and said to you and done to you has been done to the prophets before you. You know, the devil wants us to think that we're isolated in our troubles. That nobody has ever experienced the troubles that we've experienced. Nobody has ever endured the persecution that we have to endure. Nobody has ever seen the unemployment that we have seen. Nobody has ever seen the cancer that we're having to experience. Nobody has ever seen the heartache that we uh, feel. Nobody has ever uh, felt any of the sickness and sadness and setback and persecution and trouble and tragedy that we've experienced. The devil wants us to think that we're isolated. And Jesus says, I want you to be glad. I want you to skip with excitement. I want you to jump with joy because the prophets endured the same thing you're enduring. They've gone through the very same thing. When I think about this, I'm reminded of the words that are recorded in Hebrews chapter 11. The author begins in verse 32 and following. Allow me to read it for you. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32, and what more shall I say? I don't have time to tell you about Gideon or Barak or Samson or Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign enemies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. But others, others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging. Still others were chained and put into prison. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. 
They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskin and goatskin, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and caves and in holes in the ground. When I read that passage, there's a stark contrast between the first set of prophets and the second set of prophets. And I don't know about you, but if I had a choice, I'd much rather be in the first group. I mean, the first group are individuals who uh, conquered kingdoms, administered justice. They shut the mouths of lions, for crying out loud. They quenched the fury of flames. They escaped the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They were powerful in battle. They even routed foreign enemies. And women received back their children from the dead. I don't know about you. I want to be part of that group. But then there's another group. Another group of faithful, believing prophets. And they faced jeers and floggings. They were chained and they were put into prison. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They were put to death by the sword. They went around in sheepskin and goatskin. They were homeless and destitute. They were persecuted and mistreated. And they wandered in deserts. They hid in mountains and caves. They found shelter in holes in the ground. I don't know about you, but if I get to choose, I'd much rather be part of the first group than the second group, right? There are a few times when my son and I will play a video game. I need to tell you I'm horrible at video games. I mean, absolutely pathetic. I don't like many video games, but the one that he and I sometimes play have to do with uh, race car driving. And and, and there are times uh, when, when I'll do the video game with him, and when you go before you even start the race, you have the ability to go in and choose the course. You get to choose the course that you're going to race. Whenever it's up to me, I choose the oval course. It's really easy. All you got to do is hang a left. That's all it is. Just left, 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 left. But my son, Nathan, he don't like that. He wants the course that's up and down, left and right, in and out. You can't even keep it on the road, and you veer off to the right into uh, despair, and you veer off into the left into death, and it's horrible, and you don't know where you're going and how you're going to get there, and you don't even know if you're going to survive. That's the route he likes. And then it dawns on me, in that fake game, you get to choose the course. In the game called life, you don't get to choose the course. You don't get to choose which path you race. The only thing you get to choose is how faithful are you going to run the race. That's the only thing you get. Some of us will be in the first group. I mean, we will conquer kingdoms. We will shut mouths of lions. We will raise the dead, proverbially speaking. We'll do some impossible things. We'll do some amazing things. And other people will go around destitute in sheepskin and goatskin. They'll be filleted by the sword and they'll end up dying because of their faith in Christ. What gives? They don't get to choose which course they get to run. The only thing they get to choose, how faithful are they going to run it? My friends, this morning, what Jesus is calling us to do is be faithful in the race. 
Be faithful in what is set before you. Run the race, whether you have an oval or whether you have a race that's up and down, left and right, and there is a fear on every turn. You just run the race that God has set out for you, and along the way, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the Father. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you won't grow weary and lose heart. So you run the race that God has set out for you. That's why Jesus comes at the very end of the Beatitudes and he gives a double blessing. He says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of me. I want you to be glad. I want you to skip with excitement. I want you to jump for joy because yours is Christ. Yours is the kingdom of heaven and yours is a great reward. And whatever you're going through, there have been prophets before you who've gone through the very same thing. Now I realize that for most of us, we don't want to suffer. We don't want to face persecution. And I need to tell you, there is a way for you to avoid persecution. There is a way for you to avoid suffering at all costs. There is a way for you to avoid it. All you have to do is live like the world. You live like the world, and you won't face persecution. You live one way around your church friends, live a totally opposite way around your pagan friends. You voluntarily be silent about Jesus, and I promise you, you won't face any persecution. You keep your mouth shut when it comes to Christ, and the world won't bother you. If you want to avoid persecution, then come to church on Sunday and use these lips to praise the Lord. And then when you leave out of here, use these same lips to curse and tell dirty jokes and laugh at sexual innuendos. You want to avoid persecution? Live like the world on Friday night. And for that matter, any other night of the week. If you want to avoid persecution, all you have to do is live like the world. But I need to tell you that if you take that route, there is a huge price tag. Jesus said, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before the Heavenly Father. If you receive me, then you'll be received before the Heavenly Father. Paul says to Timothy, his son of the ministry, everyone who wants to live a godly life will be persecuted. Everyone who wants to live a godly life will be persecuted because Paul knows what Jesus knows and Jesus proclaims that worldliness, when it meets godliness, inevitably hostility will result. So there is a way for you to avoid persecution, but I wouldn't advise it. There's a way for the world to leave you alone, but I wouldn't suggest it. Because remember, Jesus says, be glad. Skip. Jump. When you get a verbal punch in the face. Because yours is the kingdom of Christ. And your reward is great in heaven. And you're not alone because the prophets have gone through the very same thing. Jesus wrote seven letters to seven churches. They're recorded in the very last book of the Bible, Revelation chapters 2 and 3. In Revelation chapter 2, 
uh, verses 1 to 10, he addresses a, a letter to the church at Smyrna. And there in verse 10, Jesus says, don't be afraid of what you're about to suffer. For the devil will put some of you in prison for 10 days to persecute you and test you. Be faithful, even to the point of death, for yours is the crown of life. Now, I know what you know about the book of Revelation. It's apocalyptic literature, which means it is shrouded in mystery. It is draped in symbolism. So I don't know exactly if the 10 days are a literal 10-day incarceration or if Jesus is merely being symbolic, saying that it's going to be a relatively short time. But regardless, what I want you to know this morning is that your suffering has an expiration date. Your persecution has a shelf life. This is so good. You may just want to tell your neighbor, hey, neighbor, your suffering has an expiration date. No, I'm serious. Go ahead and tell your neighbor. You may seriously want to turn to the person on your right and on your left and say, neighbor, your suffering has an expiration date. Hey, neighbor, your persecution has a shelf life. Jesus says there's a beginning point and there's an ending point. I know your trouble seems as if it's going to be eternal, but it's only temporary because your suffering has a shelf life. Your persecution has an expiration date. Your life is a vapor. It's a mist. It's a dot on the map. And yours is the kingdom of Christ and yours is a great reward and those who've come before you have endured what you're enduring right now so Jesus says I want you to be faithful even to the point of death because yours my friend is the crown of life so don't shrink back and don't make less of Jesus and don't lower your commitment to Christ whatever you do be glad be glad when you face a verbal punch in the mouth. Be glad when people harass you and attack you because of your faith. Be glad when the world makes up lies about you. Be glad when the devil has to put in overtime because of your faithfulness. Be glad when you bump into the adversary, which my friends just means that you and the devil are walking in opposite directions. Can I go ahead and tell you that if it's been a long time since you faced the devil, it just might mean that you and he are walking in the same direction. So be glad when you bump into the adversary. Be glad when you bump into the devil. I want you to be glad when the world gets uncomfortable around you. I want you to be glad when the world tells you to pipe down. I want you to be glad when you say a rock is not going to take my place for I will not be silent. Be glad when you make much of Jesus verbally and visually. Be glad when you affirm the things of the Bible. Be glad when you stand on the truth of God's word. Be glad when you affirm biblical marriage by God's design. Be glad when you uphold morality in your life. Be glad when you desire to make peace in a problematic world. Be glad when you live with purity in the inmost parts of your life. Be glad, be glad, be glad. What's the worst thing the world can do to you? They can try to silence you. They can try to take your life. That's okay. I'm already a dead man for I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So Jesus says, be happy when you're harassed. Be happy for the holy. It's never a question of will we face persecution. The question is, what's it going to look like? The goal of all persecution is to keep you silent, believer. 
And the Lord Jesus says, you be glad. Skip with excitement. Jump for joy. You ought to jump out of this place today. You ought to skip up and down the aisles today. You ought to praise the Lord for nothing can silence you. Nothing can squelch you. Nothing can keep you down. Why? Because great is your reward in heaven. Because great is the kingdom of heaven. And great is reality that those who have gone before you have been faithful. And if God enabled them to be faithful, he can help you to be faithful. So my friends, whatever you do, just skip. Just jump. Just Rejoice, just be glad because Jesus is worth it all. Heavenly Father, we bow before you. And Lord, if there's somebody listening to my voice who does not know you as Savior and Lord, I pray that today they will catch a glimpse of how good, big, awesome, and honorable you are. Oh, Father, I pray there's one who doesn't know you that today can be the day of his or her salvation. For those of us who are believers, I pray that you help us to forever never be silent. Oh, Father, when hostility strikes against us, will you help us to skip and help us to jump? And Father, all the while, in this little bitty dash called life, Help us to run with faithfulness, regardless of the course that you set before us. Jesus, we love you. Draw people to yourself. Draw people to this congregation today. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.